You're listening to Recovery Podcast, a production of Volunteers of America. In learning about recovery, we've come to understand the immense influence traumatic events have in shaping our lives. Today, we visit with Samantha Satchel, Clinical Program Director here at Volunteers of America Northern Rockies, as she shares her own journey of turning traumatic events into springboards for positive change. I believe this conversation will bless you as Samantha points to the hope available for all of us. I'm Nick, and you are listening to Episode 9 of Recovery Podcast. At Volunteers of America, we are a ministry of service, seeing broken people physically, emotionally, and spiritually healed and thriving in their lives. Our team brings you Recovery Podcast twice a month with stories, interviews, and insights for all those seeking to live their best life. It's our goal to inform, engage, and inspire all who listen. Subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to get it delivered on the first and third Wednesday of each month. And if you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It really helps. And now for this week's episode. Well, Sam, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to get to have some conversation with you. You've been a part of our team here at Volunteers of America for two years now. You're going into your third year, and you've been leading our clinical treatment team, supporting our patients. You do it with such great compassion and respect. Uh, You do it so well. So thank you for that. Thank you. Getting to experience how passionate you are in this role, I'm curious to know, how addiction and the process of recovery first showed up in your life? When did mm-hmm. it come on the radar for you? That's a great question. Um, I think there's a there's a couple elements to that. Um, I really grew up um, with a family that we had challenges. I come from a, don't get me wrong, a blessed family. Um, but when we look at extended extended family addiction was a challenge, um, throughout, uh, life for some of my family members. So I saw it from a distance, um, but it didn't really resonate with me until, um, I had the opportunity to kind of finish my license with an intensive outpatient setting in a hospital setting back in Wisconsin. Mm. Um, and that's really from that clinical perspective, that's where I got my feet wet there. Um, and just that was in the community that I grew up in. And so being able to see people that maybe I've crossed paths with at some point in time, um, or just know that they're from my community, um, and seeing how that impacted them, that's really where my exposure started. And recovery comes in a lot of different forms. Yes, it's related to substance use, um, certainly, but recovery is, it can be related to many things, whether that's food or gambling or, um, you know, and and so just throughout my life, I've really had friends or family, even coworkers that have struggled with it. And it's just something that's really struck my heart. So that's, that's pretty fascinating to me that there was so many times when I visit with people, there is an event 
or there is, you know, something from from childhood or teen years, somewhere mm-hmm. around there, that began to form this idea of, uh, boy, I've went through this. Mm-hmm. How can I be a part of the solution rather than the problem? Yeah. So really for you, it was it was after you really began the journey of uh, wanting to serve other people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think there's, you know, in life we have our own struggles and I've certainly walked through my own um, and understanding from being able to look back now on that time in my life and know the challenges that I faced, um, the struggles that I had to overcome and what did that look like? What were the resources? Um, what were the factors uh, that that really helped me move forward in my life, I can take that personal experience. And I think that just allows me to work with uh, the people that we have the the ability to serve here every day and just be able to look at it through that lens to a degree as well um, and really be able to empathize and walk alongside those individuals. Yeah. So you have an amazing story. You've shared a bit of it with me in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's there's value in our shared story, so I'm going to push into that a little bit here uh, in our discussion. And what I want to do is frame it in in a question of how, how did your own experience, and I want you to share some of those things. Mm-hmm. H- how did it help you um, maybe begin to make this decision that boy, I can use this, I can use this part of my life to help others yeah. to, to to really begin to serve and and then turn it into even this recovery piece. Yeah. Um, so I, growing up, I was athletic. Um, I was always on the move and I got plugged into gymnastics very early. Um, and that just was really, uh, at the core of forming who I was alongside with my family and my friends, but really forming, um, who I became, um, and that value structure and system it was a full-time job. I was at the gym almost 40 hours a week in addition to going to school, competitive gymnastics. And I was really grateful for that. And then my body caught up with me. So when I, starting in seventh and eighth grade, I started to have issues leading into the end of freshman year, what looked like a really promising, you know, career in that trajectory. I ended up learning that I had broken my back. Um, and Mm. had fractures. And so I was faced with this decision of, do I get it fixed? um, Or do I get it fixed and end my career? Um, And so I I made that decision to let that part of my story just kind of come to a close. And when that happened, uh, this set of people that I had the opportunity to surround myself with every day I no longer had them. And yeah, so... Yeah. So I want to go back, though, a little mm-hmm. bit, too, because here you are at this young age. Did you say seventh? I, I started when I was seven years old. My The physical issues started kind of rearing their head when I was in seventh grade. Yeah. So seventh grade, you're forced or you're, you're conflicted, uh, right, with this piece. Yep. And and when you say a career, you're, you're talking about the upper echelon uh, of things. Just talk a little bit about that. What, what, what could the future there have looked like for you? Yep. Um, so at that, at that level, um, I was presented with the opportunity to, as a freshman, join the varsity gymnastics team, um, or, um, I could continue in the private gym. And had I gone surgery and returned back, I 
was already training for that level nine. Um, and so gymnastics has changed a lot since I've been in it. But at that, at that point, you're really preparing and deciding if you're going to compete at that elite level. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's where those, um, by no means was I at that point, but you're looking at, you know, access to gaining points for junior Olympics and things like that. Um, and so that, that was kind of the trajectory and by, by no means was I quite at that level there, but that's kind of what I was looking at. Um, Mm -hmm. and so to be, selected and targeted and recruited at, you know, going into freshman year for a varsity gymnastics career. Um, you're looking at potential for college for scholarships, you know, whatever route. Um, and that was kind of at my fingertips and that was at that age you're conflicted. Um, and there's a lot of, a lot of pressures from a lot of different people. Um, and Mm. so how at that age I was just trying to figure out, I wasn't really even aware, to be honest, of all the different pressures. Um, and so that's that freshman year, you know, I was the cool kid that I had the 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 braces on their feet, the roller braces mm-hmm. uh, with a back brace. So freshman year is already stellar. <laughs> and <laughs> you, you add a five-pound weight limit, uh, so you have to leave your books in the classroom. Uh, uh. And... Then, so that was so I could continue to go to the gym and go to practice after school. So those were the things that I could do to try and continue to to make it happen. And just by summer, it it wasn't, it wasn't a promising proposition. Yeah. (laughs) So. Wow. So as you then moved on to what, what you saw as, as next, Mm -hmm. uh, how did that form? How did, how did you get from being at that level of performance, uh, you know, in, in gymnastics to, okay, what's next for me? Yeah. How did that begin to take shape? Um, I, I needed to keep moving. So I continued to seek out those opportunities um, for team activities, those team sports, um, and that carried through um, high school and into college. Um that was the kind of the first time in my life that I didn't have a, a sport. Um, and that was really confusing. Mm. Um, and so that confusion had already started early on. And so how do you make friends in a high school environment in a college environment when you've spent almost 10 years, 11 years, um, with the same group of people. And so, yeah. uh, that awkwardness, um, and the, you know, I found myself, you know, with the wrong people doing the wrong things in the wrong places. Um, and I look back on that time in my life and those are things that I think I needed to experience. Um, and I, I absolutely believe that that's contributed to who I am today. Um, and at that time I also see, started seeing, um, people that just had different life paths and they were, they were making those courageous, difficult decisions to not associate with certain people or do certain things. Um, and so that's where that seed started to be planted was when I, um, was able to surround myself with other women that were, that were making those courageous decisions that I saw really investing in their education and really investing in who they wanted to become, uh, where they wanted to go. Um, yeah. 
And so I, I really, it took a couple years, but I got there um, and, and was able to find some really phenomenal people to surround myself with. Yeah. So you were able to be mentored in, in mm-hmm. a sense then. Yeah. And I know that that's something that you've told me in the past too, is that out of that, you've experienced a real passion to, to give back and to serve others as well in that way. Mm-hmm. So that that's a powerful piece. Um, so from there, just, just the step into now um, working in the recovery field, mm-hmm. uh, was that an intentional choice? Did that happen as a calling? What did that look like? I think a combination. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not, I don't want to share other people's stories, but there are some people in my life that I got to see firsthand kind of the um, devastation that their addiction brought them Mm -hmm. and how close they came um, to really just seeing everything wash away in their life. Um, And so through series of events and I, you know, whether folks that are listening or have a strong faith or not, I do believe that, um, that God did bring me here specifically to VOA. Um, I think I get to use all of the skills and the knowledge and, um, life experience that I, that I have, um, to serve folks here. And so I, I think it's a combination for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, you do an amazing, amazing job. Um, just in my experience, watching you with whether it's staff that you're helping to build up and grow to serve uh, the folks we serve in a better way, or your actual conversations with those who are going through our programs, uh, your compassion and experience and wisdom just comes out so well. So just really appreciate that. Um, I want to ask, what have you learned about the recovery process that that gives you the greatest hope that others can be successful Mm. when they walk through it? Mm. That's a good one. Uh, It's funny that you ask. You know, this morning I got to see a graduation of a a female individual that was here. Mm. Um, And I got to say, (laughs) to be able to start your day off um, observing someone that kind of walked through the doors that really they were at their bottom. They weren't sure that they were in the right place. They weren't sure that they wanted to be here. Yeah. Um, And to see and be able to observe kind of that journey of growing investment in themselves and the recognition that they're worth it. Mm. Um, And then this morning to see in that individual's eyes that confidence and recognition that the work is just beginning, but they have found the solid firm foundation to, to return back to life and figure it out and do that hard work. That's, that's, that's why I show up every day and I have shivers just thinking about it, but you know, I, I'm grateful that I get to see those things. For sure. It's an amazing image. It's, it's, and I've been there when people come into the program at times and whether they've been detoxing or, you know, however they come in, um, sometimes there can just almost be this, this zombie stare, this, yeah. this blank stare of hopelessness. Yep. 
But like you said, by the time they graduate, if they've stuck with it and really used the tools and the relationships to move through that process well, there's life. Yep. There's all of a sudden life there. And yep. like you said, not everything's over. Nope. It's just the beginning <laughs> of this new journey. But man, they have a promise. They have a piece that they can hold on to. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Um, there are many practices uh, that are part of our aftercare process, um, my own process, mm-hmm. um, to stay sober and continue to grow. What would you say or maybe top three practices that you f- have seen be most valuable for people? Mm. Ooh, that's a good one. Everyone's different. <laughs> yeah. Um, for yeah. sure. But I think the first thing that I think about is – Ensuring that people have a core group of solid, recovery-minded people Mm. and making sure that those connections have been established um, prior to them leaving treatment and making sure that those relationships are such that knowing that that person's graduating, that they can be there to wrap their arms around them. Um. Maybe it's physically, but emotionally and just upon that graduation date, I think one, that's huge. And maintaining those relationships and folks accessing those people to ask for help. Um, So that's number one that comes to mind. Um, Also, I think absolutely participating in some kind of group. Everyone has a different background, a different spiritual background, and whether AA and NA is your route um, or CR is your route. Uh, celebrate recovery. Yeah. Yep, celebrate recovery. I really think getting plugged into a, a group of other people that are actively in recovery, that are actively practicing every day that you can reach out to, um, I think that's huge. And depending on the person, to be honest, um, we have the benefit here at VOA of being a co-occurring facility, right? Addiction, I can't necessarily think of a time where there isn't something that's related more on that mental health spectrum going on at the same time. Um, And at treatment, you're getting access to that really quality one-on-one time. And then when you graduate, if you don't, make that choice to actively continue with that in your life, that support's just gone. Um, And so continuing to invest in yourself and continuing to make that choice of, hey, it's okay that I need to talk to someone and get that one-on-one provider in your life. Um, And that could be a a counselor. Um, It could be, you know, depending on your situation, maybe a coach, but, but really just getting that that one-on-one connection and all three of the things that I've mentioned are, are relationship based, right? Recovery is about connection. It's about yes. community and really digging in and doing that hard work of making yourself available and invested and not isolated. Yeah. Yeah. That's really great. I I've got this vision as a musician myself of that process being much like the process of becoming a better and better musician. You Mm -hmm. have to put the time in, you have to use those specific muscles and take that training and thought all the way through yourself and put the time in. And then you'll see yourself go through these plateaus where maybe for a month, it just seems like you're just trudging through garbage. And then all of a sudden, Oh, 
man, I'm at this next level now. And I'm able to walk in this different place, this different mindset. I have a greater peace. And uh, boy, that is important for people to know. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. So someone may be listening today who's either struggling with addiction in this very moment Mm -hmm. or are walking alongside a loved one who just is down right now and really struggling. What would you want them to hear right now from you, from your heart? You're not alone. Um, When we have, whether it's ourselves or individuals in our immediate family or friends um, that are in addiction, sometimes we find ourselves in this place of thinking that we're the only one. Um, And I don't say that critically. I'm, I'm saying that as it can be a natural response to really challenging situations. And I would, I would encourage those folks to reach out. Of course, I'm biased, and I'm going to say call someone at, at VOA. But hmm. quite honestly, call and ask um, if you do have that local community center or that local healthcare professional. Um, contact your church. Um, contact your minister yeah. and say, hey. Um, I'm going through this, or I know someone that's going through this, and and I'm really struggling. Um, What can I do? Reach out for help. Ask for help. Um, And and know that if you are interested in learning more, we can get you plugged in. Anything else on your mind? I think recovery is, it's this really challenging, beautiful process. Um, And recovery is, it's about a, a lifetime. It's a journey. And, and whether you yourself are going through recovery or that loved one is going through it, knowing and just, again, investing in yourself and knowing that um, the hard work that you do every day, getting up and making those minute-by-minute decisions sometimes, yeah. those things add up. And know that it's worth it. Um, So you can look back days, weeks, months, and see how your life has changed. There are people here at the VOA in particular that this this is what they live, this is what they breathe, and they would be happy to share their story, share how they got through those things um, each and every day. But I bring that up because the point is recovery is possible. It seems impossible but there are people doing it each and every day. So true. So true. And we just want you to hear that today, whoever you are. Um, So Sam, thank you so much for your time. And again, for just your heart to serve, uh, sharing your wisdom with us today and every day with the ones that you serve. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Volunteers of America. If you heard something that strikes a chord, shoot us an email at recoverypodcast at voanr.org. Today's music is courtesy of Free Music Archive. This week, you heard tunes by Ketza, who also composed our theme music. Links to the artist can be found at our website. This episode was produced and edited by Nick Angeloff and Dave Shumway. Thanks for listening.